Section 10 of Anecdotes of Dogs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Anecdotes of Dogs by Edward Jesse. Chapter 10. Part 1. The Collie or Shepherd's Dog. My dog the trustiest of his kind with gratitude inflames my mind i mark his true his faithful way and in my service copy tray gay who that has seen has not been delighted with a charming picture by mr landseer of the shepherd's dog resting his head on the coffin which contained the body of his dead master grief fidelity and affection are so strongly portrayed in the countenance of the poor dog that they cannot be mistaken we may fancy him to have been the constant companion of the old shepherd through many a dreary day of rain and frost and snow on the neighboring hills gathering the scattered flock with persevering industry and receiving the reward of his exertions in the approbation of his master on returning to the humble cottage at night he partakes of the shepherd's scanty fare then coiled up before the flickering light of a few collected sticks cold and shivering with wet he wakes to greet his master at the first glimmering of morn and is ready to renew his toils poor dog what a lesson do you afford to those who are incapable of your gratitude fidelity and affection and what justice has the charming artist done to these noble qualities i trust he will receive this fanciful description of his dog as a little tribute paid to his talents as well as to his good feeling the late mr satterthwaite grandfather of thomas rogerson esq of liverpool and ballamilligan isle of man who died some years ago at colthouse near hawkshed soon after his marriage resided near the low wood inn on the borders of windermere lake he left home early one morning accompanied by his shepherd's dog to look after some sheep on the mountains near Rydal, about four miles distant, and discovering two at the bottom of a precipice between two rocks, he descended with the view of extricating them. But when he got to the bottom, he could neither assist them nor get up himself, and there he was confined until midnight. The faithful dog remained at the top of the precipice, watching his master, but at nightfall he proceeded home, scratched at the door, and was let in by his mistress who expressed her surprise at the barking of the dog and non-arrival of her husband she had no sooner sat down than the dog ran barking towards her and then went to the door but as she did not follow the dog ran to her again seized her apron and endeavored to pull her to the door which circumstance caused her to suppose some accident had befallen her husband she immediately called up the servant man and told him she was sure from the strange conduct of the dog that something must have happened to his master she told the man to take a lantern and some ropes follow the dog taking care to get assistance at ambleside which he did no sooner had the man opened the door than the dog bounded out leaped up at him barked and then ran forward but quickly returned leaped up again barked and then ran forward as if to hasten the man's speed the faithful dog led the man and his companions to the prison of his master the ropes were instantly lowered and mr satterthwaite was providentially released from his perilous situation 
the sheep also were recovered how well do i recollect the ettrick shepherd descanting on the sagacity and perseverance of his favorite sheepdog his name was sirrah and he told me the following extraordinary anecdote of him which i give in his own words about seven hundred lambs which were once under my care at weaning time broke up at midnight and scampered off in three divisions across the hills in spite of all that i and an assistant lad could do to keep them together sirrah my man said i in great affliction they are away the night was so dark that i could not see sirrah but the faithful animal heard my words words such as of all others were sure to set him most on the alert and without much ado he silently set off in search of the recreant flock meanwhile i and my companion did not fail to do all in our power to recover our lost charge we spent the whole nights in scouring the hills for miles around but of neither the lambs nor sirrah could we obtain the slightest trace it was the most extraordinary circumstance that had occurred in my pastoral life we had nothing for it day having dawned but to return to our master and inform him that we had lost his whole flock of lambs and knew not what had become of them on our way home however we discovered a body of lambs at the bottom of a deep ravine called the flesh crush and the indefatigable sirrah standing in front of them looking all around for some relief but still standing true to his charge the sun was then up and when we first came in view of them we concluded that it was one of the divisions which sirrah had been unable to manage until he came to that commanding situation but what was our astonishment when we discovered by degrees that not one lamb of the whole flock was wanting how he had got all the divisions collected in the dark is beyond my comprehension the charge was left entirely to himself from midnight until the rising of the sun and if all the shepherds in the forest had been there to have assisted him they could not have effected it with greater propriety all that i can farther say is that i have never felt so grateful to any creature below the sun as i did to my honest sirrah that morning i once sent you says mr hogg some years later in a letter to the editor of blackwood edinburgh magazine an account of a notable dog of my own named sirrah which amused a number of your readers a great deal and put their faith in my veracity somewhat to the test but in this district where the singular qualities of the animal were known so far from any of the anecdotes being disputed every shepherd values himself to this day on the possession of facts far outstripping any of those recorded by you formerly with a few of these i shall conclude this paper but in the first place i must give you some account of my own renowned hector which I promised long ago. He was the son and immediate successor of the faithful old Sirrah, and though not nearly so valuable a dog as his father, he was a far more interesting one. He had three times more humor and whim about him, and though exceedingly docile, his bravest acts were mostly tinctured with a grain of stupidity, which showed his reasoning faculty to be laughingly obtuse. I shall mention a striking instance of it. I was once at the farm of Shorthope on Ettrick Head, receiving some lambs that I had bought, and was going to take to market with some more the next day. Owing to some accidental delay, I did not get final delivery of the lambs till it was growing late, and being obliged to be at my own house that night, I was not a little dismayed lest I should scatter and lose my lambs if darkness overtook me. 
Darkness did overtake me by the time I got halfway, and no ordinary darkness for an August evening. The lambs, having been weaned that day, and of the wild black-faced breed, became exceedingly unruly, and for a good while I lost hopes of mastering them. Hector managed the point, and we got them safe home, but both he and his master were alike sore for foughten. It had become so dark that we were obliged to fold them with candles, and after closing them safely up, I went home with my father and the rest to supper. When Hector's supper was set down, behold, he was a-wanting, and as I knew we had him at the fold, which was within call of the house, I went out and called and whistled on him for a good while, but he did not make his appearance. I was distressed about this, for having to take away the lambs next morning, I knew I could not drive them a mile without my dog, if it had been to save the whole drove. The next morning, as soon as it was day, I arose and inquired if Hector had come home. No, he had not been seen. I knew not what to do. But my father proposed that he would take out the lambs and herd them, and let them get some meat to fit them for the road, and that I should ride with all speed to Shorthope to see if my dog had gone back there. Accordingly, we went together to the fold to turn out the lambs, and there was poor Hector, sitting, trembling in the very middle of the fold-door, and on the inside of the flake that closed it, with his eyes still steadfastly fixed on the lambs. He had been so hardly set with them after it grew dark, that he durst not for his life leave them, although hungry, fatigued, and cold, for the night had turned out a deluge of rain. He had never so much as lain down, for only the small spot that he sat on was dry, and there had he kept watch the whole night. Almost any other collie would have discerned that the lambs were safe enough in the fold, but honest Hector had not been able to see through this. He even refused to take my word for it, for he would not quit his watch, though he heard me calling both at night and morning. Another peculiarity of his was that he had a mortal antipathy to the family mouser which was ingrained in his nature from his very puppyhood, yet so perfectly absurd was he that no impertinence on her side and no baiting on could ever induce him to lay his mouth on her or injure her in the slightest degree. There was not a day and scarcely an hour passed over that the family did not get some amusement with these two animals. Whenever he was within doors, his whole occupation was watching and pointing the cat from morning to night. When she flitted from one place to another, so did he in a moment, and then squatting down, he kept his point sedulously, till he was either called off or fell asleep. He was an exceedingly poor eater of meat, always had to be pressed to it, and often would not take it till we brought in the cat. The malicious looks that he cast at her from under his eyebrows on such occasions were exceedingly ludicrous considering his utter disinclination to injure her. Whenever he saw her, he drew near his bicker and looked angry. But still he would not taste till she was brought to it. Then he cocked his tail, set up his burses, and began lapping furiously as if in utter desperation. His good nature, however, was so immovable that he would never refuse her a share of what was placed before him. He even lapped close to the one side of the dish, and left her room. But mercy, how he did ply! 
it will appear strange to you to hear a dog's reasoning faculty mentioned as i have done but i declare i have hardly ever seen a shepherd's dog do anything without believing that i perceived his reasons for it i have often amused myself in calculating what his motives were for such and such things and i generally found them very cogent ones but hector had a droll stupidity about him and took up forms and rules of his own for which i could never perceive any motive that was not even farther out of the way than the action itself he had one uniform practice and a very bad one it was during the time of family worship and just three or four seconds before the conclusion of the prayer he started to his feet and ran barking round the apartment like a crazed beast my father was so much amused with this that he would never suffer me to correct him for it and i scarcely ever saw the old man rise from the prayer without his endeavoring to suppress a smile at the extravagance of hector none of us could ever figure out how he knew that the prayer was near done for my father was not formal in his prayers but certes he did know and of that we had nightly evidence there never was anything for which i was so puzzled to discover a motive as this but from accident i did discover it and however ludicrous it may appear i am certain i was correct it was much in character with many of hector's feats and rather i think the most outre of any principle he ever acted on as i said his great daily occupation was pointing the cat now when he saw us kneel around in a circle with our faces couched on our paws in the same posture with himself it struck his absurd head that we were all engaged in pointing the cat he lay on tenters all the while but the acuteness of his ear enabling him through time to ascertain the very moment when we would all spring to our feet he thought to himself i shall be first after all for you all he inherited his dad's unfortunate ear for music not perhaps in so extravagant a degree but he ever took care to exhibit it on the most untimely and ill-judged occasions owing to some misunderstanding between the minister of the parish and the session clerk the precenting in church devolved on my father who was the senior elder now my father could have sung several of the old church tunes middling well in his own family circle but it so happened that when mounted in the desk he never could command the starting notes of any but one st paul's which were always in undue readiness at the root of his tongue to the exclusion of every other semi-breve in the whole range of sacred melody the minister gave out psalms four times in the course of every day's service consequently the congregation were treated with st paul's in the morning at great length twice in the course of the service and then once again at the close nothing but st paul's and it being itself a monotonous tune nothing could exceed the monotony that prevailed in the primitive church of ettrick out of pure sympathy for my father alone i was compelled to take the precentorship in hand and having plenty of tunes for a good while i came on as well as could be expected as men say of their wives but unfortunately for me hector found out that i attended church every sunday and though i had him always closed up carefully at home he rarely failed in making his appearance in church at some time of the day whenever i saw him a tremor came over my spirits for i well knew what the issue would be 
the moment that he heard my voice strike up the psalm with might and majesty then did he fall in with such overpowering vehemence that he and i seldom got any to join in the music but our two selves the shepherds hid their heads and laid them down on the backs of their seats rode in their plaids and the lasses looked down to the ground and laughed till their faces grew red i despised to stick the tune and therefore was obliged to carry on in spite of the obstreperous accompaniment but i was time after time so completely put out of all countenance with the brute that i was obliged to give up my office in disgust and leave the parish once more to their old friend st paul hector was quite incapable of performing the same feats among sheep that his father did but as far as his judgment served him he was a docile and obliging creature he had one singular quality of keeping true to the charge to which he was set if we had been shearing or sorting sheep in any way when a division was turned out and hector got the word to attend to them he would have done it pleasantly for a whole day without the least symptom of weariness no noise or hurry about the fold which brings every other dog from his business had the least effect on hector save that it made him a little troublesome on his own charge and set him a running round and round them turning them in at corners from a sort of impatience to be employed as well as his baying neighbors at the fold whenever old sirrah found himself hard set in commanding wild sheep on steep ground where they are worse to manage he never failed without any hint to the purpose to throw himself wide in below them and lay their faces to the hill by which means he got the command of them in a minute i could never make hector comprehend this advantage with all my art although his father found it entirely of himself the former would turn or wear sheep no other way but on the hill above them and though very good at it he gave both them and himself double the trouble and fatigue it cannot be supposed that he could understand all that was passing in the little family circle but he certainly comprehended a good part of it in particular it was very easy to discover that he rarely missed aught that was said about himself the sheep the cat or of a hunt when aught of that nature came to be discussed hector's attention and impatience soon became manifest there was one winter evening i said to my mother that i was going to bowerhope for a fortnight for that i had more conveniency for writing with alexander laidlaw than at home and i added but i will not take hector with me for he is constantly quarrelling with the rest of the dogs singing music or breeding some uproar na na quoth she leave hector with me i like i best to have him at aim poor fellow these were all the words that passed the next morning the waters were in a great flood and i did not go away till after breakfast but when the time came for tying up hector he was a wanting the dell's in that beast said i I will wager that he heard what we were saying yesternight and has gone off for Bowerhoop as soon as the door was opened this morning. If that should really be the case, I think the beast no canny, said my mother. The yarrow was so large as to be quite impassable, so that I had to walk up by St. Mary's Lock and go across by the boat. And on drawing near to Bowerhoop, I soon perceived that matters had gone precisely as I suspected large as the yarrow was and it appeared impassable by any living creature hector had made his escape early in the morning had swam the river 
and was sitting like a drooked hen on a knoll at the east end of the house, awaiting my arrival with great impatience. I had a great attachment to this animal, who, to a good deal of absurdity, joined all the amiable qualities of his species. He was rather of a small size, very rough and shagged, and not far from the color of a fox. His son Lion was the very picture of his dad, and had a good deal more sagacity, but also more selfishness. A history of the one, however, would only be an epitome of that of the other. Mr. William Nicholson took a fine likeness of this latter one, which he still possesses. He could not get him to sit for his picture in such a position as he wanted, till he exhibited a singularly fine portrait of a small dog on the opposite side of the room. Lion took it for a real animal, and disliking its fierce and important look exceedingly, he immediately set up his ears and his shaggy verses, and fixing a stern eye on the picture in manifest wrath, he would then sit for a whole day and point at it without budging or altering his position. It is a curious fact in the history of these animals that the most useless of the breed have often the greatest degree of sagacity in trifling and useless matters. An exceedingly good sheep-dog attends to nothing else but that particular branch of business to which he is bred. His whole capacity is exerted and exhausted on it, and he is of little avail in miscellaneous matters, whereas a very indifferent cur, bred about the house and accustomed to assist in everything, will often put the more noble breed to disgrace in those paltry services. If one calls out, for instance, that the cows are in the corn, or the hens in the garden, the house-cully needs no other hint, but runs and turns them out. The shepherd's dog knows not what is astir, and if he is called out in a hurry for such work, all that he will do is to break to the hill and rear himself up on end to see if no sheep are running away. A bred sheep-dog, if coming hungry from the hills and getting into a milk-house, would most likely think of nothing else than filling his belly with a cream. Not so his uninitiated brother. He is bred at home to far higher principles of honor. I have known such to lie night and day among from ten to twenty pails full of milk, and never once break the cream of one of them with the tip of his tongue, nor would he suffer cat, rat, or any other creature to touch it. This latter sort, too, are far more acute at taking up what is said in the family. The anecdotes of these animals are all so much alike, that were I but to relate the thousandth part of those I have heard, they would often look very much like repetitions. I shall therefore in this paper only mention one or two of the most singular, which I know to be well authenticated. There was a shepherd lad near Langholm, whose name was Scott, who possessed a bitch famed all over the west border for her singular tractability. He could have sent her home with one sheep, two sheep, or any given number, from any of the neighboring farms, and in the lambing season it was his uniform practice to send her home with a kebbed ewes just as he got them. I must let the town reader understand this. A kebbed ewe is one whose lamb dies. As soon as such is found, she is immediately brought home by the shepherd, and another lamb put to her. And Scott, on going his rounds on the hill, whenever he found a kebbed ewe, immediately he gave her in charge to his bitch to take home, which saved him from coming back that way again, and going over the same ground he had visited before. 
she always took them carefully home and put them into a fold which was close by the house keeping watch over them till she was seen by someone of the family upon which she instantly decamped and hastened back to her master who sometimes sent her three times home in one morning with different charges it was the custom of the farmer to watch her and take the sheep in charge from her but this required a good deal of caution for as soon as she perceived that she was seen whether the sheep were put into the fold or not she concluded her charge was at an end and no flattery could induce her to stay and assist in folding them there was a display of accuracy and attention in this that i cannot say i have ever seen equalled the late mr steele flesher in peebles had a bitch that was fully equal to the one mentioned above and that too in the very same qualification her feats in taking sheep from the neighboring farms into the flesh market at peebles form innumerable anecdotes in that vicinity but there is one related of her that manifests so much sagacity with natural affection that i do not think the history of the animal creation furnishes such another mr steele had such implicit dependence on the attention of this animal to his orders that whenever he put a lot of sheep before her he took a pride in leaving them to herself and either remained to take a glass with the farmer of whom he had made the purchase or took another road to look after bargains or other business but one time he chanced to commit a drove to her charge at a place called willinsley without attending to her condition as he ought to have done this farm is five miles from peebles over wild hills and there is no regularly defined path to it whether mr steele remained behind or chose another road i know not but on coming home late in the evening he was astonished at hearing that his faithful animal had not made her appearance with the flock he and his son or servant instantly prepared to set out by different paths in search of her but on their going out to the street there she was coming with the drove no one missing and marvelous to relate she was carrying a young pup in her mouth she had been taken in travail on those hills and how the poor beast had contrived to manage the drove in her state of suffering is beyond human calculation for her road lay through sheep the whole way her master's heart smote him when he saw what she had suffered and effected but she was nothing daunted and having deposited her young one in a place of safety she again set out full speed to the hills and brought another and another till she removed her whole litter one by one but the last one was dead the stories related of the dogs of sheep stealers are fairly beyond all credibility i cannot attach credit to some of them without believing the animals to have been devils incarnate come to the earth for the destruction both of the souls and bodies of men i cannot mention names for the sake of families that still remain in the country but there have been sundry men executed who belonged to this district of the kingdom for that heinous crime in my own days and others have absconded just in time to save their necks there was not one of these to whom i allude who did not acknowledge his dog to be the greatest aggressor one young man in particular who was i believe overtaken by justice for his first offence stated that after he had folded the sheep by moonlight and selected his number from the flock of a former master he took them out and set away with them toward edinburgh 
but before he got them quite off the farm his conscience smote him as he said but more likely a dread of that which soon followed and he quitted the sheep letting them go again to the hill he called his dog off them and mounting his pony he rode away at that time he said his dog was capering and playing around him as if glad of having got free of a troublesome business and he regarded him no more till after having rode about three miles he thought again and again that he heard something coming up behind him halting at length to ascertain what it was in a few minutes there comes his dog with the stolen animals driving them at a furious rate to keep up with his master the sheep were all smoking and hanging out their tongues and their guide was fully as warm as they the young man was now exceedingly troubled for the sheep having been brought so far from home he dreaded there would be a pursuit and he could not get them home again before day resolving at all events to keep his hands clear of them he corrected his dog in great wrath left the sheep once more and taking collie with him rode off a second time he had not ridden above a mile till he perceived that his assistant had again given him the slip and suspecting for what purpose he was terribly alarmed as well as chagrined for daylight now approached and he durst not make a noise calling on his dog for fear of alarming the neighborhood in a place where they were both well known he resolved therefore to abandon the animal to himself and take a road across the country which he was sure the other did not know and could not follow he took that road but being on horseback he could not get across the enclosed fields he at length came to a gate which he shut behind him and went about half a mile farther by a zigzag course to a farmhouse where both his sister and sweetheart lived and at that place he remained until after breakfast time the people of this house were all examined on the trial and no one had either seen the sheep or heard them mentioned save one man who came up to the aggressor as he was standing at the stable door and told him that his dog had the sheep safe enough down at the crooked yet and he needed not hurry himself he answered that the sheep were not his they were young mr thompson's who had left them to his charge and he was in search of a man to drive them which made him come off his road after this discovery it was impossible for the poor fellow to get quit of them so he went down and took possession of the stolen drove once more carried them on and disposed of them and finally the transaction cost him his life the dog for the last four or five miles that he had brought the sheep could have no other guide to the road his master had gone but the smell of his pony's feet i appeal to every unprejudiced person if this was not as like one of the devil's tricks as an honest collie's it is also well known that there was a notorious sheep stealer in the county of midlothian who had it not been for the skins and the heads would never have been condemned as he could with the greatest ease have proved an alibi every time suspicions were entertained against him he always went by one road calling on his acquaintances and taking care to appear to everybody by whom he was known while his dog went by another with the stolen sheep and then on the two felons meeting again they had nothing more to do than turn the sheep into an associate's enclosure in whose house the dog was well fed and entertained and would have soon taken all the fat sheep on the lothian edges to that house this was likewise a female a jet-black one with a deep coat of soft hair 
but smooth-headed and very strong and handsome in her make. On the disappearance of her master, she lay about the hills and places where he had frequented, but she never attempted to steal a drove by herself, nor the smallest thing for her own hand. She was kept some time by a relation of her master's, but never acted heartily in his service, soon came privately to an untimely end. Of this there is little doubt, although some spread the report that one evening, after uttering two or three loud howls, she instantly vanished. From such dogs as these, good Lord, deliver us. The following is perhaps a still more extraordinary anecdote of the fidelity shown by a sheepdog to its charge. It was communicated by Robert Murray Shepherd to Mr. Samuel Richmond, Path of Cody, near Dunning, in Perthshire. Murray had purchased for his master four score of sheep at the Falkirk Trist. But having occasion to stop another day, and confident in the faithfulness and sagacity of his collie, which was a female, he committed the drove to her care, with orders to drive them home a distance of about seventeen miles. The poor animal, when a few miles on the road, dropped two whelps, but faithful to her charge, she drove the sheep on a mile or two further, then allowing them to stop, returned for her pups, which she carried for about two miles in advance of the sheep. Leaving her pups, the collie again returned for the sheep, and drove them onwards a few miles. This she continued to do alternately carrying her own young ones and taking charge of the flock until she reached home. The manner of her acting on this occasion was afterwards gathered by the shepherd from various individuals who had observed these extraordinary proceedings of the dumb animal on the road. However, when the collie reached her home and delivered her charge, it was found that the two pups were dead. In this extremity, the instinct of the poor brute was, if possible, still more remarkable. She went to a rabbit bray in the vicinity and dug out of the earth two young rabbits which she deposited on some straw in a barn and continued to suckle for some time until one of the farm servants unluckily let down a full sack upon them and smothered them. End of chapter 10